Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's Great Conversation is a continuation on our series introducing you to incredible Australian book podcasts. Now, the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing, and literary culture. My name's Andrew Popel. Every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft is dedicated to exploring Australian writing, from debut authors to household names. Every week we look into the issues that drive our storytelling, help you discover more from the books you love, and more podcasts about the books you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. And 2SER broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and the Gunagara people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. These are unceded lands, and treaty has never been made with Australia's First Nations. Now, today on the show, I want to introduce you to the Pratt Chat podcast. And more specifically, I'm going to introduce you to Ben McKenzie and Elizabeth Flux. The Pratt Chat podcast is all about the writing of Terry Pratchett. Each week, Ben and Liz read a different book from Terry Pratchett's expansive oeuvre. I love Terry Pratchett. I'm a huge fan of the Discworld and have been since I was a kid. And it's just such a pleasure to be joined by two other huge Terry Pratchett fans. It's a little bit different for the show, but I thought, if we're going to move away from Australian literature, let's move way, way off world. We're going to travel to a disc on the back of four elephants, travelling on a giant turtle, swimming across the cosmos. Join me and Ben and Elizabeth as we discover the Pratchat podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you, Ben? I'm all right. How are you doing? I am really good. Hello. It says Elizabeth. Is it Elizabeth or Liz? Sorry. Oh, it's either. I just have that there for formal meetings so that my full name is there so people have the option. <laughs> what is what is your preference here? Probably Liz. Elizabeth is very greedy for syllables. Amazing. <laughs> that will that will help me too because I am absolutely prepared. I am not at all negotiating with cats who need to be put in warm places so they won't sit on keyboards. So saving a few syllables will will help um, my brain be organized. I feel like we're all in a similar situation cat-wise because they are like lap-seeking missiles at the moment. They are. And I used that exact phrase just the other day. Can I borrow lap-seeking missiles? Because I've been calling them, I've been calling them like heat vampires. Let's make it a thing. Let's get it as far as possible. Yeah. Incredible. All right. I'm so I'm so excited for this chat and I'm so thankful for you both to, to be joining me. Um, should we jump in then? Yeah. You are tuned in to 2SER 107.3. This is Final Draft, books, writing and literary culture. And look, it has been our new semi-regular on and off segment that I just absolutely love, an opportunity to get more from your book podcasts. It still doesn't have a name, but when we get to it. We are featuring incredible book podcasts. Now, normally I'm telling you about incredible Australian book podcasts. Now, this is an incredible Australian podcast, but I thought if we're not going to talk about Australian books, we're not even going to talk about books from this world. That's it. We're going off world. We're going to a very special world. And I want to welcome Ben McKenzie and Elizabeth Flux, and they are the hosts of Pratt Chat. Welcome, Ben, Liz. It's so great to have you here. I, I'm not going to tell anyone else more. I want I want you to introduce it, but welcome. Oh, Thank you for having lo- us. It's lovely to be here. 
I really need to sort out a name for this so I don't do a very long rambling <laughs> preamble. But oh, uh, this, is, this is good with names. Have you got a name for this? What would you call a, a show about book podcasts, Liz? Um, I was already like running through options in my head, but um, <laughs> I, I unfortunately got that thing where you get stuck and it was just like ear, ear, which I'm like, is not an attractive name. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like ear twice, but no. Mm-hmm. That's, that's mm-hmm. apostrophe ear. Yeah. Ear, ear, yes. Oh, okay. Take a book over here. Witness. Need some workshopping. We'll short. We'll shortlist it. We'll shortlist mm. it. It's still a short list. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> I have introduced that you are the hosts of Pratt Chat, but I haven't really. I, I think a few. I, I hope a few clever listeners either know your podcast already, or that name is kind of twinging for them. But let's pretend for a second that you know some of our listeners have only recently been released from a sapient trunk with tiny legs. <laughs> <laughs> and have no idea, could you introduce us to the incredible Terry Pratchett about whom your podcast is about? How do we, how do we describe him, Liz? We've never, we've never really needed to do this for our audience because obviously you don't listen to a podcast about somebody, you know, an author's books unless you know who the author is. Well, that's the other thing. be real chaotic and do that. There'd be people who, like, I haven't heard of them, but I feel like they'd exist. But, I mean, our podcast is called Pratchett because it's where we chat about British author Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. So he's best known for his Discworld series, which um, is made up of 41 books and a few short stories as well that looks um, uses fantasy to poke fun at, satirise and take apart some things that are just all too real in our own world. So they take on things like the media, the police force, politics, the patriarchy, even the post office. Um, but we don't just do his Discworld books. We're, we've committed to doing all of his books and he wrote the word. a lot of them um so discworld is the bulk of it but we also do his science discworld which technically i guess would count as discworld but he also did some good ya um hoping to other stuff so coming back to your question who is terry pratchett he is a prolific author of fantasy satire i think is the way that i put it but he's hard to sum up and one of the biggest selling and most popular authors in the UK in particular, uh, until the rise of a certain other author who shall not be named, uh, he was the best selling author in all of the UK for quite a while in the 90s. And yeah, his stuff is, it's great. It's great fun. I don't think he was, I think he used to joke that he had never been accused of writing great literature, um, which, you know, he, he sort of didn't like those kind of labels. And he was also, uh, to say he had a chip on his shoulder about it would be a bit, extreme but he also was quite vocal about the fact that if you write comedy and you write fantasy then the literary establishment generally doesn't want to take you very seriously so even though his books have quite serious themes and they're about all kinds of things that interact with our world i mean i was just thinking about one of his quotes uh, that you mentioned in one of our recent episodes liz that really resonated with me about our current situation um which was uh the one where he said uh the thing about avoiding certain disaster is that the people who are very unlikely to award you very much afterwards because they start asking questions about exactly how certain the disaster really was. Mm. Um, And just little turns of phrase that really kind of like a good poem or any good humorist really kind of express what you're thinking. And yeah. I feel like that quote, that quote really sums up the last couple of years as well. You know, yeah. we're, we're all careening towards certain disasters, supposedly, and everyone who worked hard to avoid it never got thanked because, of course, the thing that they averted never, yes. You just can't see it. T- yeah. And, and yeah. Terry Pratchett, he is Sir Terry. He is, you know, 
just much loved. One thing that you, by, by in this conversation, one thing that I think you're bringing to my show, to Final Draft, is fandom. Um, quite often, quite often, literature gets critical acclaim, but doesn't have fandom. And fandom is just this wonderful sort of soft, fuzzy, cuddly place where you can go and talk to people and just feel comfortable and. I mean, we didn't know each other before this chat, but I automatically think I can be your friend because we like <laughs> Terry Pratchett's books. So that's yeah. thank you for bringing fandom to me. Well, the, the I was just going to say the Pratchett and Discworld fandom is is particularly friendly and welcoming place. Like there, um, we we keep do seeing that you know as some of the big fandoms, like and, and when we say a fandom, what we mean is a collection of people who are. Uh, enthusiastic and fans of a certain thing um, and fandom in general is sort of mostly pop culture fandom and particularly sci-fi and, and comic book sort of fandom where where kind of nerds first got really into that kind of stuff. Um, but so there are arms of it where it's not so welcoming, um, certainly not to everyone, but yeah, I don't think we've ever had an experience like that with Terry Pratchett fans. I think the nature of his work kind of means that if you get it and you like it, you kind of you kind of bathe in this his sort of humanist philosophy of life, which isn't necessarily always that deep, but it's always welcoming and, and warm. I think. Yeah, it's like you're saying, saying Andrew. I I feel like if I find out that someone is a fan of Terry Pratchett and loves the series, I'm like, oh yes, we've got a lot in common beyond just liking these books. Like we have other things beyond just these, these pages that we can talk about and sort of share values on. And as Ben says, the, the fandom of, like for Terry Pratchett is lovely. Like we have had um, listeners from the very beginning and built up a community, um, but we all, the interaction we have, I think shouldn't have, but did come as a huge surprise to me. Like just the conversations that happen outside of it, the way that our listeners influence our episodes. Well, we get people to send in questions and they are, always one of the highlights of an episode for me as well. So the community is is wonderful. Fandoms can be a bit of a closed loop. So I, I want, if, if perhaps I can, to get you to cast your minds back to sort of an, the nascent idea for Pratchett. You've got this established um, series of books. Terry has written, you know, more than 50 books. What was your philosophy or what did you want to achieve? What did you think you were going to bring to Discworld conversations for readers with Pratt Chat? That's I a think, good question. Sorry. Yeah, well, it is a good question and I agree with that. Um, but I think to start answering, we have to look at when we started thinking about doing this and that was right after he, he died, mm. um, which was a really sad time. And it hit me personally quite a lot harder than I'd expected, even though we'd all been given some warning that this was mm. coming. And I wrote um, quite a long post on social media about it, which is not my usual thing um, to sort of share personal feelings about someone famous who I don't know personally who's died. Mm. And I think that brought out a lot of our friends who had also knew um, the, the disc world and were fans of the books. And we had originally talked about doing a book club, um, but various things um, sort of got in the way. And eventually Ben suggested that maybe we do a book club podcast instead. So that's kind of where the origin of it came about that um, after he was gone and there weren't going to be any more books for me, I see it as a way of keeping the conversation going and also on a personal note, getting to go back over books that I love and some of which I've never read before. Cause in between you don't, this 
little places I didn't realize I'd missed. Um, and the, the podcast is a way to just have a conversation um, about in depth about his work and sort of keep his ideas going. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, we, when we started it, we didn't think anyone else was doing this. Um, and as it happens at the time, around the time we started it, there kind of wasn't, there was, there was one other podcast that had a similar idea to read all of the Discworld books and, and discuss them. Uh, and with uh, some lovely Irish folks, actually, uh, their show's called Radio Morpork and they've, they've finished now they've read all of them, uh, but they, they had some, pro- you know, they had some issues with people moving and stuff. And so they, they had a few big gaps. And I think when we started, they were on one of their gaps and it didn't seem like they were still going. Um, and luckily for all of us, they came back. And now there's like at least a dozen different podcasts that are reading Terry Pratchett's works and discussing them in various different formats and, and various different ways. Um, but I think one of the things I really wanted to bring to it was to get guests in. Mm. So um, this is not my first podcast. My first one was a live show celebrating Doctor Who where we had a, uh, it was kind of like a, we described it as a nerdy tonight show uh, because <laughs> we kind of like had two hosts and, a, and a, an announcer and then we'd have two guests and we'd talk about Doctor Who stuff live on stage and we'd have a band come and play like a cover song of some Doctor Who related thing uh, and then we'd release that as a podcast. And it was a great time. But one of the things that really lifted it was having these interesting people, not necessarily famous people, just people who had a really interesting perspective or an expertise that was relevant. And being able to do that for Terry Pratchett, I think has been one of the great joys of this podcast is reaching out to people. Um, I remember when we did the Doctor Who one, someone once said, this is a great way to find out which C-list celebrities in Australia are Doctor Who fans. And I think we're doing something similar for Pratchett. We're like, which academics and authors and actors and comedians are really into Pratchett? It's and it is such a moment when you meet a Pratchett fan. I I distinctly remember my first interview um, around the time of Terranullius with Claire G. Coleman, completely derailing the conversation because I think I knew Claire was a Pratchett fan, and it came up, and it was just like shit. We need to talk about your book too, eh? <laughs> she even has carnivorous plants on her desk. Mm. And turns out we didn't need to talk about her book. Everyone was just going to fall in love with it anyway. But, I mean, (laughs) you've raised a really good point there. You've you've got guests, you've got books, but how does an episode of Pratt Chat usually run? Like, what are people in for when they press play? Um, A whole lot of terrible puns from me, Um, just to give that, like, fair warning up front. If you are not into puns, I mean, it's probably not the podcast for you or the book series for you. So, Quick behind the scenes, Liz, like, are any of them scripted or is that just completely off your head? Um, They're completely off my head except for sometimes the very first one where Mm. um, we're introducing which book we're talking about. I always, and so this is really behind the screen and I don't think Ben knows this either, that's supposed to be scripted, but I usually forget. So I'm coming up with it while Ben is doing the initial like tinkering of the recording. But the rest of them, they're all just, um, you know, under my breath muttering puns. Slow <laughs> slow clap because your puns are, are, are seamless. From listening, I'm like, I, I love that. You've really thought about this. Okay, so we've got we've got uh, the puns. Mm. <laughs> what we else is on puns. the show? It's not just a it's not just a Pratchett <laughs> pun show. Uh, well, we we kind of really try to make it feel like a book club atmosphere. Mm. So it's a real casual chat. Um, we open up with introducing whoever our guest is and having a chat to them. 
usually about, you know, how did you get into Terry Pratchett? What do you do? What, like, what's, what, you know, what expertise are you bringing to the table? I mean, that sounds like we interrogate them. It's not like <laughs> that at all. Uh, but we have just a nice chat with them to establish a bit of context for who they are. And then um, we read the blurb if we're discussing a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that if you, because we want to make it welcoming. Like if you haven't, I don't think there's many people who listen to the podcast who haven't read most of Pratchett or at least most of the Discworld. But mm-hmm. like we said, we're, we're doing all of his work. And there's a lot of people who've read, maybe most of or all, even all of the Discworld, but haven't read much or any of this other stuff. So mm. we like to read the blurb so that you kind of get an idea of what the book, what the premise of the book is. And then we just have a long discussion of the book, kind of recapping the plot, but taking side steps to talk about issues that come up or questions that we have, just like you would in a, in a book club. You know, you'd go, ah, oh, so you remember when this bit happened, blah, blah, blah. But we also make sure to recap the plot. So if you're a listener who is a big Pratchett fan, but you haven't read that book for a while, we'll jog your memory. This is basically the idea. And you tie it into like the current context. Um, mm. You pick apart things. Sometimes you disagree on like how a scene has played out or what mm. certain things mean, like exactly just like a book club. I say this having never been in a book club. So this is what? how I imagine a book club is like. Hold on, hold on. Liz, <laughs> this is this is a major revelation to me. I mean, You've never been in a book club. I haven't You've either. never been in a book club. I, I have actually run a segment on my show called the Australian Classics Book Club, which which kind of I guess maybe it counts. Like we I would bring in an editor and and a guest connected to the book. But no, never never sitting around the lounge room with a glass of wine, which is I think what you're talking about too, Liz right mm, exactly yeah. like we've yeah. had a few like tentative pilot book club like overtures like here and there but never like a full book club so they are yeah. quite hard to keep going i think and I've, I've been in i think two or three and they've just been organized by little groups of friends and you know it's it's a lot of effort because <laughs> you've got to read a whole book and then show up and they always end up being derailed when people turn up and inevitably you know some people haven't had time to read the book or they've had to read other things or um so I like ours because you mm. can just tune in and listen, even if you mm. haven't read the book and hopefully you can follow it. So I, that's the bulk of the podcast. Um, but then we have a bit at the end where once we've got to the end of the plot, we go, okay, are there any favorite bits we want to read out? Like a, a favorite funny line or a footnote? Cause if you're not familiar with Pratchett's work, he loves writing comedy footnotes, mm. particularly in the middle part of his career, which we've kind of just finished covering, but there's, there's some books with like 40 or 50 little footnotes mm. that are very funny. Um, and we put footnotes in our podcast as part mm. of that. So if there's something we think of after the fact where we want to clarify something or correct ourselves or just add a little witty line that we thought of, we'll go back and edit one in after mm. the fact. Uh, and that'll just be a little sort of ding and then uh, a voice comes in. <laughs> I don't want to riff on something that may feature in a future Pratt Chat, but what what do you all think about, so they've got the new audiobooks and Bill Nye has he is the the voice of the the footnotes, and so he's he's sort of almost Terry's voice. And I, I watched the thing on it, and I'm like, I, I it wasn't the voice that I thought. Even though Bill's noise, Bill Nye's voice is amazing. I look, I've listened to I've listened to a couple of them now, and I love them in general. I am, I think they needed. Look, I'll be honest, I don't like the way they handled the footnotes. I love Bill Nye as well, but I feel like he's just a little bit too casual in his reading like I would have liked it to be a bit more because the footnotes are quite incisive deliberate comments like they're not sort of like I just remembered this I'm at the pub which is a little bit the energy he's bringing to it so I I thought like I still liked his performance but I it wasn't the one I would have directed him to make but I also think they've made a bad editorial decision to just leave them in the exact position where they were in the text Mm. 
which when you're reading a book is fine because you can decide if you're going to glance down the page and read the footnote immediately or if you're going to get to the end of the paragraph. But when you're listening to audio, you don't have that option. And it's something I think about when I'm putting footnotes in our podcasts is I don't just put them at the most obvious point. I, I look for, okay, we've finished this thought. We're going to pick it up in a minute, but this is where I can put this in and it won't totally derail you being able to follow what we're saying. And I think there's a few footnotes where when they're in audio, yeah, I don't know. But uh, look, it's difficult. It's difficult. And I think they've put a lot of effort in. Uh, and I am generally really enjoying the new books. I think the the readings are really great, but the footnotes I'm I'm not sold on yet, shall we say? I'm, I'll I'll reserve full judgment until I listen to a few more. Mm-hmm. So one thing you've you mentioned there. So one of the big features of Pratt Chat are the guests. They they are no the, no analogy. I've been. Famed for my bad analogies. No analogy <laughs> is not going to sound weird here. The guests are amazing, though. And I love what you said there about the story. Like, every everyone has a Pratchett. You know you're a Pratchett fan, not if you just read the books, but you have a story that relates Terry Pratchett to your life. Like, I have multiple stories that I would love to just whip out at the drop of a hat to talk about Terry Pratchett. Is there a, is there like a favorite moment or a favorite guest or something that you just learned something incredible about the disc or, or others from one of the guests, Terry Pratchett stories? I have two things that I would like to bring in. One is that our, one of our recent guests, um, George Rex, who's also an illustrator did fan art from like a very young age. And so has these really cute, Terry Pratchett illustrations. That's not something I learned about the disc, but that's something that I found quite amazing to see, like a love of the series that stretched back so early on. That was so formative. But um, a favorite thing that I learned about the books didn't come from a guest, but came from a listener. Um, and that was about one of our German listeners called Sven. And he told us about how in some of the books published over there, they, um, they weren't quite on the up and up, which meant that in the middle of some pages, there was just ads for Maggie noodles, which I feel like Terry would have found funny, even if um, wouldn't have wanted that to continue into future editions. Have you all, have you all found copies of those books yet? Or or I think that I heard you talking about this. The decision was maybe they were so cheaply made that they're just, they've disintegrated. (laughs) I want one so badly. We're going to try and find one so we can show people what they actually look like, but I don't know what our chances are. Cause this was like when they first got translated into German, uh, they were done by a children's uh, like publisher, I think who who treated them a bit like children's books and they, they sort of translated them that way. And so they were making them very, very cheaply. And Children yeah. famously like love to shop for Maggie noodles. It's true. It's true. Uh, and I, I think I found a reference to which book, like it's, it, it's at least one and it's possibly more than one, but I found a reference to which one it is. So now I know what one to look for. It's, it was sorcery had it in the middle. Uh, Not the colour the of magic. No, not the, the color of magic. See, you there you go. That's it's it's infectious. Sorry, Liz, like, is that four your and thing? a half years? I have become I'm, I'm leaving to puns. I'm outraged. <laughs> there um, is so much to love about Terry. Sorry, Ben did I I didn't mean to cut you off. Do you have a moment? Do you have any no, no look, I was thinking about this. It's so hard to to cut it down to one. Um so many guests come on with such amazing stories and and factoids i i also so to avoid 
you're singling out a guest. I will also say one of the things I love doing for the podcast is we come up with questions during the podcast. I mean, we get, we also, the last thing we do, I, I didn't say this earlier is we take questions from our listeners. So we have an explicitly sort of, and this is another way to make it feel like a book club is that we, they ask us questions and we try and answer them. Um, and they, they can be like for anything like about the specific book or maybe, you know, Hey, because this book is about movies, what other kind of movie do you wish was made about the Discord, like that sort of stuff. Um, and often the questions that are raised either by them or by us or by our guests during the podcast, we can't answer, but then I go off and research it for our episode notes, um, that I spend way too much time writing afterwards. And I have found some amazing stuff there. Like it's, it's quite everything from, you know, I found a really early, I say really early. It was like in the late eighties or early nineties appearance at some writers festival where Terry was on a panel with Diana Wynne Jones chaired by Neil Gaiman before, you know, Neil was was super famous. Um, and it was, it was so good. It was just them discussing, you know, the, the kind, what kind of fantasy books people write, why is fantasy so popular? Why don't people take it seriously? Um, just finding stuff like that to finding out obscure references we recently actually had a question about one of the illustrated books that we couldn't answer. And we just mm. tweeted the illustrator and he told us a bit of discord information that I don't know if it, I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet. So it might be news to everyone, which is that in a picture of Dun manifest in the home of the gods, there's a little house on a separate Hill off to the side. And it turns out that's where the great God Om lives that's his house he lives separate to all the other gods and terry asked him to put that in the picture and i was like i never would have known this if not for the podcast mm. so there's all that i think that's my favorite part is the questions that come up and then the answers that we find afterwards mm. so no no big question here but we've talked about terry's devoted fandom you both have set yourself on this mission of reading each book and creating the wonderful podcast that is pratt chat but what is at the heart of all this? Like, is there, can, can you in any concise way talk about why Terry's writing speaks to us so? I think it was because he covers topics that are so familiar in an absurd way, which allows us to look at them without, like, if you're too close to something, you cannot sometimes see its absurdity or its injustice or that it should change. Uh, and so by telling it through the lens of, lens of the Discworld, by having, like, humans and dwarves and... And all of these fantasy creatures you who are living out sort of situations that we actually face every day, you can actually go, oh, that's not all right, or maybe we should look at things a little bit differently. Whereas if it was told very literally, um, I don't think it would have the same effect. So I think it's because it's in fact impactful and also a joy to read at the same time. So it's that balance of serious and silly that so few people are able to nail so well and so consistently. I think too that he's just got this real, there's, there's a real Pratchett energy, you know, I think. And one of the things we've talked about many times on the podcast is that he writes in a very cinematic fashion. So he, there's a famous quote that I saw doing the rounds recently from him where he talked about the fact that he doesn't write in chapters, at least in the Discworld books or most of them. Um, and, you know, he says life doesn't happen in chapters and neither do films. So, you know, I don't know why you should put them in a book. And I think, um, that because he doesn't write in chapters and because he sort of, I think looks at his novels in a very, you know, filmic way. And he also writes like a comedian, like, you know, he'll set things up and he'll um, pay them off later. Um, I think that really gives them uh, like a drive and energy and a, a pace 
mm. that even, even when you look at some of the books where if you're being honest, like the plot is not that complicated, but a lot of stuff happens, you know, and a lot of it is very funny. And there'll be like a scene which has nothing to do with anything else. It'll just be like a gag and it'll be great. And yeah, I think, I think there's that energy and that pace that it's just so much fun to read. They're, they're, every book he writes is a real page turner. Mm. I have to say the chapter thing when I was a young Terry Pratchett reader, it bothered me so much. It was almost <laughs> like my mental architecture couldn't handle that it wasn't structured in a way that I expected. And, and like reflecting, I realised I learnt a lot about reading from that. Um, and this, yeah, so many things, which I own, you only learn on rereading, which I'm sure you are both figuring, figuring out as you revisit um, look, we've 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 had a great chat so far, but I mean, for people who are curious, and I think that would just be everyone who's listening, I would normally ask you to recommend an episode of the podcast for re- for listeners to start with, but I, I I think we need to flip it. Where on the disc world or in any of Terry's writings? Should a curious neophyte start their reading and then by extension they can tap into that episode of Pratt Chat? Are you just throwing in the, the toughest question sort of <laughs> half like right now? But um It, it really mm. is. You think you'd think the first book is the obvious answer, but I would not think that Ooh, at, no. I would not say that at all. It's probably well, one of the I tougher mean, ones. People always say don't start with that. That's how I started and I, I turned out just fine. <laughs> says, looking but it's anxiously. not reflective of the series. So I think no. it's like you have to be w- committed to already reading all of them if you start with the first one. Whereas if you have someone who's like on the fence and they're like, this determines whether I'm going to continue it. I think it's better to start somewhere else. I usually like when friends have approached me about this, I usually offer a bespoke interrogation of their <laughs> reading habits to see yeah. where is best for them because there's Book different sub series within it. There's like the witches, there's the watch, the standalone ones. Yeah. Um, we, we tackled this question when we started the podcast. So actually possibly our first episode or our first few are do line up with books that will lead you in quite nicely. So Guards, Guards is a good one because it plunges you into the world, gives you an indication of the different sort of characters you'll meet in most of the books. And it's also a real fun page turner one. So like it is just kind of a banger. Like it's the one that you'd release to radio if you want people to buy the album. That's mm. a it's a good one. Yeah. Um, another one that I think might be more controversial for me is Going Postal, which is from later in his series. Um, it's part of, I'd call it a trilogy, um, focusing on a character called Moist von Lipwig. A lot of the series is already established by that point, but I do think it's a good entry point because it is a fun one. He's at the top of his game in writing and it is a good taster plate of what he's doing with his series. Mm. And it has chapters if you find the uh, unusually <laughs> for one of his books. I, I think we're, one of the things that we landed on when we tackled this question on the podcast, I think, is that it's important if you've never read a Discworld book, it's not like other fantasy series where, you know, you have to read them in order. There's like an epic sweeping single tale that's told in bits. It's not like that at all. Each book really is its own story. Mm. And when you have these sub-series where characters come back, Yes, they're, they're further along in their personal journeys, but it's like, you know, it's like a series of films really mm. um, where you don't, you're not expected to have read the previous one, but if you have, you'll probably get a bit more out of it. Mm. So I think actually the best thing to do is just look at the blurbs. And if there's one that's like, oh, I like the sound of this, um, 
go with that. And it, they've made it a bit easier. There's some new editions being published at the moment. The, the second batch of them is coming out in July um, where they've they've redone the cover designs and they've explicitly marked which ones are part of which sub-series. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are about the City Watch all have the same kind of colour scheme, the, the ones about Rincewind the Wizard, the ones about the Witches. Um, but, yeah, you can't really go wrong picking one of the sub-series and starting and reading through those. Mm. All right. A quick companion question, Ben. You said you actually started at the beginning. Mm. Um, I think I think my first, I think, was Carpe Jugulum. Don't quote mm. me on that. Liz, what was your first, Terry Pratchett? So um, I, if anyone's listened to all of our episodes, my answer has changed across the series because I did not realise that I had read a Terry Pratchett book much earlier. So I had read his Trucker's books, which is for young readers when I was a child um, mm. in year six, but I hadn't quite registered that that was a Terry mm. Pratchett book. So in terms of the disc world, um, my first one was the fifth elephant, which I would not recommend starting with because um, <laughs> there's a, like, while it does stand alone, there's a lot of, who's this person? Why, why am I caring about this? What, what is this? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> um, but apparently it was still enough to keep me sucked in and to keep reading the series. Um, but yeah, that was my choice because I had the chaotic technique of going to the library and seeing what books were on the returns <laughs> shelf and just borrowing those. And this is this is a slight problem. I, whenever I go into a library nowadays, and I, I do visit a fair few from work, I I look to see what Pratchett's they've got, and they've always got a weird collection. Like they've got like five random Discworld books and they're two of his out. other ones. Yeah, they're probably all checked out. They're all being read. I think the Fifth Elephant. I just. Again, everyone's got a story. I think the fifth <laughs> elephant was when I I would say I probably entered the fandom in my head. And mm. from then I was I was anticipating the books. Like I never mm. I never did the Harry Potter thing. I'm like slightly too old to have been like, oh my goodness, the next one's coming out. I'm gonna line up for it. But with Terry, by about that, yeah, book twenty-four, I think I was like, okay, when's the next one coming out? And I think I think I have uninterrupted hardbacks from then mm. because I could buy nice. them when they were new. Yeah, you can see when I was working in a bookshop as a teenager because I, I was started reading them and I was buying them all from the bookshop and you can see where I caught up to where they were being published and then there's hardcovers <laughs> for a short period of time while I could afford them when I was getting a staff discount at the bookshop uh, and, then, and then, yeah, not for too long after that. <laughs> Amazing. Now... It's time to work. It's time to work for your um, work for your money, guys. Uh, of course, we all wanted to know where Pratchett came from. We all wanted to know what your philosophy was, but that's not what drives listenership these days. I need clicks. I need controversy. <laughs> I need. I need drama. It is the part of the show where I'm going to ask you a controversial question. I'm going to ask you at least two. Um, you can choose to pass if it's just too salacious, but at some point you will have to answer at least one. Um, okay. Now, these are all Terry Pratchett and book-themed. Um, and maybe I'll make, let's start with a personal one. Who is your, um, your favourite non-Orangeford librarian or some other great influence on your reading life? Should we explain that reference for those listening who don't know the Discworld? Because there, there is a the famous for them to read. <laughs> oh yeah, just, just like read the idea it. of them Ook. having to find out. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So no, no, I do not think we should explain it. I think okay. let's just let the mystery slide on by. Okay. Do you have a favorite librarian, Liz? Or I influence mean, on your reading life? 
is it like really cliche to say my school librarians were very influential on on my reading life all the way through I don't have a favorite school librarian because like through the different levels of school there were different librarians um, and sometimes multiple ones but I found them great um not least because I loved reading so much that sometimes they'd let me borrow books above my age level, even though technically that wasn't allowed. Um, and that made me feel very special, but my school had brilliant librarians and they're so hardworking and you don't recognize how much effort they put in until, till I think you're outside of school and you're like, Oh, they actually really, really did a lot to promote love of reading and all the students. Like I remember they'd bring out a big stack of books during our library lesson and they'd talk up like a few of them and there'd always be one that you could see everyone in the room going, that's the one I want to get. Um, but you had to <laughs> wait for scrum. her to stop. Talking. There was a scrum and you sort of, you learned over the year to stand closer to the desk so that you could be in there first and get that book. But you also had your back list of like the other ones you could grab if someone else got there first. So school librarians, I think it's a sport and people don't realize. Wow. That's amazing. I look, my school librarians, I'm sure were very good, but I didn't spend that much time in the school library because, uh, you know, I grew up in a country town and they did not have a lot of the kind of books I wanted to read. So I think for me, when I was young, particularly, um, aside from my mum, who actually got me into Terry Pratchett because I ran out of Douglas Adams books and she went to the local bookshop and said, what else should my son read? And they said, well, people like Terry Pratchett. Uh, so that's how I got into it. But, uh, for me, it was the guy who ran the secondhand bookshop in my town where I grew up, which no longer exists. Sadly, it's not there. Um, but I went in there because I was a kid. I was a massive Doctor Who nerd. And I was collecting all of the novelizations. I was trying to get them all secondhand. So he'd save them when they came in. But knowing that I liked that, he'd also save other stuff he thought I might like. And I found so many weird, obscure you know, British sci-fi authors and, and weird books and classic sci-fi stories because he saved books for me. And I didn't always buy all of them, but there were a lot of them that I was like, yes, I'll take that. Um, so he was a big influence and helped me find a lot of weird stuff. It's great. He sounds- Andrew, can we know yours? I was worried you were going to ask this. And I, <laughs> I, I actually, I've, I've been frantically thinking of an answer. But first, I just want to point out, he sounds amazing, Ben, but you really glossed over my mum got me into Terry Pratchett. That is like, your mum sounds amazing. She could have made you I eat mean- Brussels sprouts every night of the week <laughs> and she would still be up for best mum. I think, look, I should explain because I don't want to paint a picture of my mum that's inaccurate. She is great, absolutely, but she's not a reader. Like she read Lord of the Rings when she was, you know, in her late teens and early 20s, and I don't think she's read a novel since then. She's really just not a reader. But she knew that I needed more stuff to read, and so she was the one who asked that question. And I later got a job working. That was the, the bookshop that I later got a job working at and bought all my Pratchett books from, so it worked out for them anyway. All right, but Liz, I didn't. I didn't mean to deflect from you. Um, oh yes, you did. The table. <laughs> the table has been turned, and now there are four legs sticking up in the air, um, and I must answer one of them. Uh, I, look, I don't know if I have like this is this is the the top of the mountain um, type of influence on my reading, but when I think about the school I went to, so I, I was I went to a, a Catholic school, and I don't like we we had a nun when I first started. Um, and I think she carried like a big long ruler. Not it's not her, not her. They made us do like speech elocution type lessons. Mm. They would have a, a woman who looks exactly like a speech elocution. Like the the picture you have in your head, <laughs> that's her. I mean, it's creepy that you know what she looks like. Um, 
and I haven't I don't think about this much anymore, but she would have us reciting poetry, we would recite as a group, we would recite as individuals. And I don't know, she must have seen something in me, I don't know. I she she would encourage me to enter at Steadfords. And so mm-hmm. I would enter a Steadfords and recite poetry as a young, I feel like I have to call myself a lad if I'm doing this, a young lad with his socks pulled up. And I, I you know, came first in a few of the, the ones that, you know, like I got the little little medal. Andrew, um, you're one of my people. I also went to a lot of Steadfords. You did a lot of Steadfords? Amazing. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't think about poetry much again until university when I'm studying literature. But there's there's a line that can be drawn through that that, I mean, it would have been cooler if I'd turned out to be like a slam poet or something, like my, a Stedford's turned into a hip-hop career, but... I don't think many of Stedford kids turn out to be slam poets. It's a very different energy, but I but I love it. I love it. I miss it. I wish I could do it now. There's not really... Adults don't really get to do Stedford's it. Stedford's for adults. You could do it. Make it happen. Maybe we should run one. I we think, could have a Pratchett at Stedford. I think, I think podcasts are a Stedford's for adults. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that burns, but it's it's true. You've got it? your title. All right, yeah, so there you go. They are some amazing influences. I wanna I wanna dive into a, a, a point that maybe some listeners might be thinking: like books are okay, but some people just don't feel like they're readers. They want to watch the Discworld. Can you tell me? Um, could the perfect Discworld adaptation ever be made, and why not? <laughs> I think we're probably in broad agreement here. Well, I mean, you say yours, and then I'll see if we're in agreement. Well, I meant I meant we're in agreement on the general point that I don't think you can make a perfect adaptation, mm. and and we've seen this, like because we've been there's been some television ones that are very faithful to the books, uh, and a lot of fans didn't like those, and then there's been a very recent one. Mm. Um, which is a pretty loose adaptation that still had a lot to recommend it, even if it had a few flaws. Uh, and a, a lot of fans really didn't like that. Cause they're like, this is not what I imagine looking like in my head. Um, I think the answer is no. I, I don't think, I don't think you can make a perfect one. I think you can make a great one, mm. but I, I, I feel like the best discord adaptations would probably be films. And at the moment, you know, there's not been, there's, there's one film coming out later this year. There's an animated film, based on uh, the amazing Maurice and his educated rodents, which is one of the Discworld books he wrote for younger readers. And one of my all-time faves of his books, actually, I hadn't read it. Um, and there's a few I haven't read before reading them for the podcast. This was one of them. And I loved it. It was so good. And I am a little bit nervous about the film. I, it looks like it'll be great, but it's, I think it's going to be very different tonally to the mm. book, um, which was a shame because that's one of the things I loved about it. But I think it, it'll be good, but it won't be perfect. It'll be no adaptation ever is. Yeah, I mean, and it's worth mentioning for the Amazing Maurice that it does have Hugh Laurie as a cat. I know we've seen oh, yeah. a lot of actors as cats because of the movie Cats, but I feel like this is quite a different situation. Different. Um, I agree that it can't be perfect, and I think this is an adaptation of an answer that I've given to a similar question, but I think even if we had the technology to hook electrodes up to all of our individual brains mm-hmm. and make an adaptation that's built from your own expectations, it still couldn't be perfect because the books are so beloved. We have so many different needs and wants from them. You could never exactly nail all of them. You'd end up with something really messy and chaotic. And it, I mean, I think we're, we're making our own adaptations in our brain while we're, yeah. while we're reading them. And even that is like, it's too nebulous to put in a form that could be shared amongst more than more, one person. Yeah, yeah. And the disc will be very diff- very expensive to put on film. 
Your, your answer kind of reflects my feeling, Liz. I think there are several million perfect adaptations existing in our brain space and the Venn diagram of all of those adaptations looks kind of like that scene from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where the bubbles are floating to the ceiling. <laughs> um, I, I will put in a vote, though, that audio adaptations can be great and there are some great radio play adaptations of the Discworld and... You know, I, that's that's something I've worked in myself and I, I, I think it's a great medium for adapting books because you have that similar, um, you know, sort of infinite effects budget <laughs> because you can't see what's going on. You can only hear. So you still get to imagine the visuals and they can be as good as you can imagine them. Yeah. I've listened to very few books on, on audio books, but I did – listen to the audio adaptation of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. And you can, you can mention Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett in the same podcast because, you know, um, mm. and it was, it was amazing. So I, I would tend to just on, on the sort of theme there, agree with you, um, Ben. I've got, I've got a few more questions, but uh, many of them are things that you can discover by listening to Pratchett. And I, before I get to my very last question, the most controversial of all, I think, um, let's let people know that I am speaking with Ben McKenzie and Elizabeth Flux. Go to prattchatpodcast.com, P-R-A-T-C-H-A-T podcast.com, or just search for Pratt Chat wherever you listen to your podcast because this is a series to discover. Now, I need to get a name for this show and some special effects. Um, in a fight... In a fight, who do you want by your side, Tiffany Aching or Granny Weatherwax? Oh. And, Ben, before uh, – can I clarify also, Ben? I think I heard in one of the podcasts you say you are yet to read or have you read The Shepherd's Crown? Both I of us have, haven't read it. We have not read it yet. Neither of you have read, read it. it. We're going to. I, I Look, This might I, not mean as um, much then. Uh, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast, but the, the short version is – at the time when the last few Discworld books were coming out, I was super busy doing other things and not reading very much at the time. I, it was a period when I had sort of fallen off the book wagon and I was busily doing other things with my free time. And, you know, then, and then Terry died and I, and I had still been reading his books. It's just that I'd sort of been catching up with them a few years after the fact. Yeah. Uh, and so I was like, Oh no, it's the last one. I'm going to read that. And then um, at least I've got, there's some other books. And mm. I think there's a few other ones I hadn't read. And then by the time I sort of was getting around to the idea of maybe I'll read it um, was when Liz started talking about the book club and then we decided to do the podcast. And mm. so I kind of committed to not reading it until we get up to it on the podcast. I think I, excuse me. I think I probably will read it before we get to the end of the podcast because uh, I I feel like I won't last until then, not being yeah. not knowing. <laughs> but I will read it again when we get to the end, if I do. Um, and I won't tell anyone if I've read it in advance. I, so. I hope it's I, I hope it's not too obvious. It's I wouldn't say it's my favorite book, but I can't even think about that book without tearing up a little bit. Um, mm. and and yeah, but look, I mean, I, I still want to know your answer, but I think I think my answer would probably come from. Like having read the full t- Tiff- the Tiffany Aching mm. series is probably my favourite series. Oh, it's so good! It's so good! Mm. It's so good! And and the Shepherd's Crown is a little loose because of its its place in sort of Terry's life and the fact that it really yeah. wasn't finished. Um, but yeah, 
got me all yeah. the feels. All right, but hang on. The, we're being cornered by, like, I don't know. It probably matters who you're in a fight with, but yeah. we're being cornered yeah, by some say, Do you want who you're fighting to Are we stay fighting alive? the other one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're fighting the other one. Oh, no. <laughs> Ooh, that's even better, yeah. That's, like, that's one of those questions, like who would win in a fight between... Mm. I don't I, want to answer that. I think when I first first thought up this question, it was a little bit like who would win in a fight between Tiffany and Granny, um, and that very I think that very much depends on when they're fighting. Mm. Um, but uh, I, this I, this is just an excuse to talk about I think two of the most incredible characters that Terry has created as well, um, yeah. and yeah, and what he you know, what he achieved with these two incredibly strong characters who have such a diverse arc. Yeah. Oh, well, man. Well, I have an answer. Please. Um, yeah, I would choose Granny Weatherwax. Um, and I think it's just be- like I love both of them. They're both brilliant characters. Um, having not read The Shepherd's Crown, um, for similar reasons, like it's a deliberate choice that we haven't read it since mm-hmm. we um, thought we would do it right near the end of the series um i was actually reading halfway through a terry pratchett book raising steam when he died and i have not finished it because of reasons mm. um but yeah i would choose granny weatherwax because she is i think my favorite character um it changes sometimes it's like a top three she's mm. my favorite character and maybe that's just because i would get to meet her and that would be cool like i know we're fighting like a balrog or whatever i'm imagining a balrog so that's <laughs> that's our fight mm. um but yeah, I don't know. I think I'm choosing her because, A, I think either of them would put up a great fight, and mm. so it's not about that, but maybe it's about um, having a cup of tea afterwards and talking about how we defeated the thing we're fighting. Mm. Uh, see, I, I've, I've gone back and forth over this. Uh, I, I don't really want to choose one or the other, but I think I, I think I might bend towards Tiffany because I spend a lot of my time working with younger folks anyway, and she's growing up during the books. I mean, it would depend a little bit on how old she is. Cause like she's, she's a real troublemaker. Like one of the things I love about her books is she's always res- like a 90% of the time she's responsible for the trouble that she's in, in one way or another, at least a little bit, not entirely um, because she does things she's been told are not a good idea or whatever. Um, so, but I, but I kind of think that's, a good kind of chaos to have if you're in a fight <laughs> as well. So I think maybe Tiffany, but either of them, that's such a hard choice. Oh. Andrew, you can't just make us answer and not have your own answer. Okay. The, 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 the first one, I didn't have an answer. This one I wrote with an answer clear in Oof. mind. <laughs> I would, I would without a doubt choose Tiffany. Um, mm-hmm. And this has, a, I think this has a lot to do with, with Terry and the way he created the character and, like in in the books, Terry leans on tropes. He inverts tropes. He he does everything with the way writing works. And there is a trope that I I hate when I see it, and that's the and it, it gets used a lot in um especially in fantasy, but also in comics where you have a character who clearly has power, um and the stakes always have to be raised. And so, oh no, this villain is remarkably out outsized, and then the character that you have suddenly levels up to meet and it's just like, or or we all hold hands and it was the power of love that we had in us all along and it feels really cliched. But in <laughs> Tiffany, Terry seems to always level her up in a way that just feels right. 
So I would like, she, and of course she has to, it's what it's about being, um, it's about being, you know, nine, 10 going into your teens, you're constantly growing and developing and meeting life's challenges. So of course she does that, but I just want to be in a fight to see how she, she levels up because like I have this absolute faith in the character as it's drawn that she meets challenges. And, and I think that's what I love about her. So yeah, it'd have to be Tiffany. That's a great answer. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What a nice way to leave it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks, Tiffany. If you, if you, dear listener, are curious about it, if you're saying, what is a weatherwax? Who is a <laughs> Tiffany? <laughs> fun fact, actually, I, fun fact that I learned the other day, the name Tiffany is hundreds of years old and we all listen to the same episode of The Illusionist. Um, was it The Illusionist? <laughs> it was The Illusionist, wasn't it? Yes, yes, hundreds, I'm a big Illusionist fan. Hundreds of years old, but people don't use it because they think it doesn't sound that old. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's just perfect for the character. Like it just, yeah, especially for that reason. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. If, dear friends, you are curious about what a Tiffany is, who a Weatherwax is, where a disc is, or what on earth I have been speaking about with Ben and Liz, you could do no worse than get down to your local bookshop, buy some Terry Pratchett, then go to your phone and type in Pratchett. I am speaking with Ben McKenzie and Elizabeth Flux. They are the hosts of Pratchett. It is just an incredible podcast, and I'm so fortunate to have had them on the show. Ben, Liz, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. That's it for this great conversation with Ben McKenzie and Elizabeth Flux. Ben and Elizabeth are the hosts of the Pratt Chat podcast. It is incredible and I really recommend that you get onto it. Just search Pratt Chat wherever you are listening to this podcast. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and the Gunungurra people. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Thank you for joining me. Stay in touch. It is great to hear from you what you're listening to, what you're reading, what you're loving. You'll find Final Draft on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for the handle at Final Draft 2SER. If you hit subscribe, if you enjoyed this and you want one next week, well, hit subscribe in your podcast app. There's a new one. Sometimes do. My name is Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Till then, happy reading. Bye now.